podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And for the last time in 2023, welcome to Media Matters for Anfield Index. And it's a special one, people, because in simple terms, whatever we say, the headline will be Liverpool, Liverpool, top of the league. And I am delighted as ever to be joined by the renowned and the respected David Lynch. David, how are we? Yeah, good, good. This, this period is just absolutely killing me because it's busy. It's just working and, and boozing and eating and yeah. So, but I'm enjoying it. It's, uh, yeah, really good. And as you say, Liverpool top of the league. So lots of like positives to get into today. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those periods. It's we're in the, uh, we're in the sweat patterns, quality street, anything leftover <laughs> period type of thing, people. We might be having turkey leftovers, turkey curry, whatever it is. And probably the first question I'll go straight in with David. What does a Liverpool FC journalist get for Christmas? I'm guessing it's not a quill and ink. What type of things did you get for this year? One of the good examples, actually, is uh, fingerless gloves because you uh, got to be able to type while you're at Anfield and it's freezing. So that's uh, I'm pretty pleased with that. Maybe number one gift there. Yeah, absolutely. I bet that will be keeping warm because, it. yeah, the wind hits that main stand and that press section, no doubts. And listen, let's get into it straight away. The Burnley game. A 2-0 and a real almost, so many things to talk about this. A goal early from Nunes, a great strike. And then we have to wait till pretty much the the last minute almost for for Diogo Jota, who is back brilliantly and makes it 2-0. I mean, so much to talk about here, but what were your honest thoughts on the performance last night? Yeah, I thought it's kind of a bit of a weird one, really, because, you know, you look at that first half, so utterly dominant, um, you know, should have been much further ahead and, and so many positives in that, apart from just the element of, of putting it in the back of the net uh, for one reason or another. And then second half, I suppose you're always going to get that little rally at points. I think, you know, yeah. the, the, it, I think Liverpool end the first half with 13 shots he'd taken and it takes a while to get to 15 in the second, you know, the... Yeah. They're not as dominant in that second half in terms of chance creation. You know, so they, they drop off a little bit and Burnley get belief because obviously the longer it stays at one nil, they think they've got a chance. Um, you know, even though they've been they've been so poor in the first half, but um, I think the fact that Liverpool stay firm against that, they they don't give up a single shot on target across the entire game, which is massively impressive, no matter who you're playing. Um, and come away, come away with a two 0 win that, that takes them top. You, you've got to say overall a, a very good performance. There are still those elements where I think there's still for me that little bit of stickiness in attack um, that that maybe needs to be ironed out. But I think you know this period is all about winning however you can, and and the the, the facts are that 
overall and you know it, it was a, a very good performance in the end um you just would have liked to, to win 5-0 but that is true of every game to be honest so uh, yeah I thought it did a very decent performance particularly at the end of it such a grueling period as well and and very very positive to get the win yeah no doubts and I mean we started so fast the only disappointment really was that it was only 1-0 at half time truth be told it and all that so much positives to look back on I mean in a good way, we're back to being options, realistically, for this question. I think Darwin Nunes got it for the official sponsors man of the match. Was he man of the match for you, or did you have it for anyone else at all? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. The, the forwards in general didn't sort of, you know, I think they're part of the reason. I don't think they play poorly at all, and, and mm. they're a big reason why Liverpool were creating so much chances and, so, and looking so threatening. But I'm not sure I would really pick them out as man of the match. I think there was areas of Liverpool dominance that I liked more, which was sort of what was happening in midfield maybe with Endo, I thought was very, very good again. Uh, the fact he's played all five of these games on the bounce um, and, and not missed a beat at all and, and been, you know, really, really comes to the fore in the absence of Alexis McAllister. thought he was in contention for man of the match for me. Um, and also... Obviously, the guys in defence as well. I just thought they didn't give Burnley a sniff. The fact that he's facing zero shots on target, that is unbelievably impressive. And, uh, you know, Virgil van Dijk is, you know, yeah. I, I probably shy away from giving him man of the match on the basis that we just get used to his brilliance, but that's probably unfair. And But I really love Jarrell Quanta next to him as well. The fact that basically I don't think anyone's coming away from that game talking about Jarrell Quanta as a potential man of the match or, you know, sort of, feeling like it's weird that he's been that good or, or unusual. Yeah. It's just, we're just, again, we're growing used to it. And, you know, he's a 20-year-old kid who's been thrown in this season who, you know, at the very start of pre-season, nothing whatsoever was expected from, probably quite likely at that point to, to maybe go out on loan. Um, and what's happened now is he's just come in and he just totally stepped up, hasn't he? And he's taken on that role yeah. of, of, you know, in Joel Matip's absence, I, I'm ready to be that man. I can be one of you four centre half choices and you know it just says everything that the manager's willing to put him in and and the level of his performances I think just show that he is he's ready to do that and um, yeah so so for me your man of the match wise I thought sort of anyone in that defensive third generally did really really well and and the forwards yes not 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 bad at all and not not don't want to be too down on their performance but I think it just it needed to add that little bit more cutting edge to to maybe put themselves in man of the match contention. Yeah, absolutely fair. The, the defences, especially during this period, even back to the Arsenal game, they've been shining so much recently. And I did promise, in, and this will be the last time in 2023, we try and steer away from talking about referees, decisions and officials. But in my defence, Jurgen Klopp did talk about it at length. I'm sure you've seen his comments for, from last night as well. So just for those sort of big talking points, I mean, two disallowed goals. So if you go to the first one, the... Apparent foul by Darwin Nunes, which sees Cody Gakpo strike disallowed. Honest thoughts on that one? Yeah, so I, I, it's it's absolutely rubbish decision. Let's be honest on the basis that it, um, we just didn't touch him, does he? There's just no, there's just nothing there whatsoever. But I, I kind of feel for the referees in this situation a little bit because of I think the hands are tied a little bit on the basis of the the whole clear and obvious element of this. So. Basically, in, in this, so you've got to find, once the decision's given on the field, you've got to find a clear and obvious reason to, 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 yeah. to show that a completely incorrect decision has been, been made. But when it's, when it, when the decision is this type of decision where it's around 
are coming together in the box or a potential trip or whatever. I think because of the clear and obvious condition that is created that they've added into VAR, the basically the VAR has to find to 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 completely prove Paul Tierney wrong, prove that there was basically no contact whatsoever between Taylor and Nunes, that that, that they basically okay. didn't touch, that there was what what that clip would have had to show them basically was that there was clear daylight, which which is absolute nonsense really, because you're never going to get that in the, those situations. I think the bar is so high for an overturn on this type of decision because they'd have to be, like I say, no contact whatsoever. But the reality is the contact is they, they, they maybe brush each other's shorts or, but then, yeah. you know, it's enough there for the VAR to go, well, you know, there is, there is some contact. So therefore it's not a clear and obvious error. I can't overturn, which is, it's just a flaw in the, the way that VAR is implemented for me. And I think, you know, I, I don't, I don't love defending refs, but I think in that situation, I think they're almost, painted into a corner by the 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 nonsense way that the VAR is set up or or the way it's implemented, like I say, because it it is, it's that clear and obvious condition basically meant that they had to watch it a couple of times. And if they saw any touch whatsoever between them, they could go, oh well that's why he's given the decision. We can't overturn it. Um and it's a it's a poor it's a poor decision on the field. But I, I also again in real time you can see why it's made. Yeah. And what should be happening in that situation is VAR should be strong enough to say, you know what, the, the the shorts may touch or there may be a slight brush, but that's nowhere near enough. And I think the biggest indicator of, of all was the fact that a couple of Burnley players did did um, did protest, didn't they, immediately after, but Charlie Taylor, the one who was involved, immediately put his, his hands, on yeah. hands on his head because he was like, I've made a terrible error here. I haven't been tripped. And, it, and let's have it right, if he had been tripped and he felt he had been fouled in that situation, yeah. he would have been the first over to the ref. He would have been screaming. He would have been, you know, I've been tripped. Well, you can't allow that. So I think, you know, and it'd be nice if VAR ever picked up on little clues like that. You know, because I think anyone who's watched football enough times knows that that sort of stuff makes it really obvious what's gone on. Um, but yeah, it, so like like I say, I think I think around that one, um, a, a poor decision. I didn't like it, and a, and a, a, but I think I think the VAR at, at times is the the, the the dealing with the burden of that that clear and obvious nonsense, which makes it more difficult to to reach the the correct decision. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. Obviously, like you said, it becomes basketball. It's supposed to be a contact sport, but the bar is the bar. And I suppose this one a bit different, the second one, because Paul Tierney goes across to the screen to, or gets sent to the screen, I should say, to review this one. So Harvey Elliott strike disallowed because Mo Salah's in an offside position and obstructing James Trafford. Honest thoughts on that one? Yeah, I, I mean, again, this is one I didn't I didn't like or, or kind of agree with, but but again. I think this one is is less of a scandal than the first one. I think this one, on the, not on the basis that I agree with the, you know, I don't think James Trafford would save it, even if he had full vision of it. Um, and, I, and I don't actually think his vision was blocked with where Salah exactly was. But we've seen it time and time again. If there's any, you know, if there's a line you can draw between the attacker and the goalkeeper in this situation, which you could in the Salah situation, they will disallow it, at, you know, the being nudged offside is is an irrelevance in that. It, it just we've seen we've seen it before, and I think in those you know if you can approach these sometimes as you know why did the ref reach that decision again when he goes over to the screen he sees Salah and you can you can kind of draw that line of Trafford being in front of him. I still think Trafford can see around him and he, he's just he's going the wrong way on his foot and that's why he doesn't get down. But I, you know I I I, I don't think it's a 
a shocking decision in the sense that the referees, when they see them on the screen and you can make that line, they, they always just generally give them that. You know, it, it just wasn't a shock to me um, and, and not as poor a decision, I'd say, as the one before. I think, again, this is one where the way the rules are around these ones where, you know, that they will just, if there's any threat of the player being in front of the goalkeeper, they will just give the offside. But we've seen that before. So at least there is right. consistency around that one. And I don't find those ones as frustrating because we know that that's a, that's given us an offside nine times out of 10, you know, in the, in a similar way to when we see, uh, you know, Alison spill the other day and, and, and that gets disallowed and, and there's some Ferrari around that. But because we're used to those and they're always, they're always disallowed in those situations. Right. No one should be getting frustrated by those ones. At least, you know, we we all we always say we want consistency, and at least I think in these situations we we tend to get them. Except I'll say in that and remembering the, the shocker that was given in City's advantage. Yeah. But again, that that mistake shouldn't justify them making another mistake here by not implementing the rules that they, they tend to always they tend to always implement. And that was acknowledged as a mistake, wasn't it? So yeah, no no real complaints with this one. I think. Yeah, which is interesting because in the pro in the post match interview, this was the one that Jurgen Klopp seemed more upset about, didn't he? And said someone, you know, yeah. someone who's not played football commented. But yeah, I, I agree. We we kind of expected it. And the he's other one right on that one, by the way, I think on his comments, I think he's he's kind of right in the sense that I, you know, I, I'm not agreeing with the decision in that I don't like I say I don't think Trafford would get there, um, and I don't really think Salah's actually in his eye line. I just think, but. Because they are very wary around these situations in the same way that they're very wary around protecting goalkeepers. If there's any slight chance that he's in his line and, and you can draw that line between them, they will, they will rule the goal out. And like I say, it's at least we are getting consistency on that. I don't think it's the correct decision. And I'd love them to have a little bit more leeway to sort of, you know, interpret what they've seen. Yeah. But, you know, if you give them a little bit too much leeway, sometimes that the, these interpretations can get wild and we can get some stupid, stupid decisions. So, like I say, it's, it, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying in that it, it, it's not correct in a football sense, but at least, at least we are getting that consistency around those ones. Yeah, absolutely fair. And, and at least in a good way, it mattered not a jot in the context yeah. of the game overall. So that was the most important thing. I mean, the positives to take, and, and I'm almost linking the Arsenal bits in here because we, we said earlier this defence is really shining at the moment I mean Van Dijk as we say we're almost just expecting brilliance every time he steps on the field but as you mentioned like Kwanzaa stepping up Canate was brilliant against Arsenal the other day and almost it feels like because of that he's almost going under the radar are we start are people starting to appreciate Joe Gomez as part of the defence and the, the multitude of position he plays or do you just think the overall defence is just that good at the moment well I hope people are appreciating Joe Gomez because I think he's absolutely brilliant and and, and, he, and he has been for a long time I mean he, he had a, a real dip last season but I think that you know who would you not say that of you know you think even Virgil van Dijk the ridiculous standards he set wasn't quite himself last season and you know, I think this was a it's, this was a big season for Joe Gomez because if he he'd signed that contract well over twelve months ago now and, mm-hmm. and sort of coming into the season because he'd had that such a dip off the back of it, I was wondering whether you know would it be a good time for him to move on? You know, he's not going to be a regular regularly yeah. involved, particularly if he doesn't get his form back. Um, and, and it, you know, it seemed like a, a strange one, really, even his contract that he signed it at the time, because I thought he would always be a contender to maybe go and play more regularly elsewhere. But what you see in this season is that 
you know, when Jurgen Klopp's got a full squad and things are going well and he can rotate, someone like Joe Gomez is getting an awful lot of games. And thankfully, he's, he's back to his, his absolute top form. And I mean, you know, this, this probably shouldn't come as a surprise because you think, you know, what, what he did when he was a, a youngster, but, you know, he was the Virgil van Dijk's main partner in the season that Liverpool went yeah. the with the most ridiculous winning run uh, that they were on. And, and, you know, just prior to COVID, they, they were just the, the, one of the best Premier League team we've possibly ever seen. Um, and Joe Gomez was a big part of that. So he, and, and that was when he was a kid, basically. So he's, he's older, he's more mature now. Um, uh, so he's showed in theory be an even better player. And I think we are seeing that in that, that versatility is showing to play right back. I think he's, he's come on so much as a right back. He's really yeah. added that string to his bow. And then left back is a, a different challenge because of the way he's got to use the ball and he's not, he's not natural going down that left, but you know, just flawless. And he, 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 he does so well in his defensive element, but he's, he's got real quality on the ball as well. He's, he's controlling tight areas. Teams try and, Box him in onto his left foot, but he's, he he always seems to to find a way out, and I I just love watching him. I think he's just a just a brilliant player to to have in the squad because of that flexibility, and versatility, um, and and he's he's also worth mentioning, just a, an absolutely great lad as well. Um, so really, really pleased to see him back, and just hope he can sort of you know he's he's had injuries in the past, hasn't he? Just hope he can stay fit over the remainder of the season because he's got an absolutely massive role to play. He's um, yeah, sensational player. Yeah, as Jurgen Klopp said, we need to to wrap him in cotton wool, but he has yeah. been brilliant. Probably an interesting one to ask. Do you think he will score this season? Do you think he will <laughs> send us insane and finally net one? Because it seems to get closer and closer each week, basically. It's clearly in his head as well, because he's shooting constantly at the minute. So he's he's obviously thinking about it. Um, so unlucky with that one against Arsenal. Would have loved him to get the winner. Uh, the one he just kills past the far post. And, he, he's clearly got the quality because I, I just think that that, that that strike he gets away against Arsenal just shows, you know, the, the little curl he puts on it and he can he can definitely do it. And I think playing fullback, he's, he's more likely to get into to goal-scoring positions, isn't he? Um, I think it's, a, you know, his problem is that maybe on corners, a lot of the time he'd be putting it in a sort of covering position rather than being yeah. in the box for his goal-scoring instincts. So he doesn't maybe get the chance to, to get many shots away, but it's starting to happen a little bit more now and, yeah, I'd love him to get one. I'm not sure what he'd do with his celebration, though, because, uh, yeah, he's had a long time to plan this one. Yeah, he kind of sees a bit too cool for school, Joe Gomez. I can't imagine yeah. it'll be a big one. But, yeah, finger, fingers crossed we get to see it. And you alluded to it earlier that the positives were, obviously, that the forwards contributed. And we'll talk about their sort of maybe lack of clinicalness. But is the big headline from that, it was great to see Jota back and look at the impact he made after a few minutes, literally. Is that the big positive as well? Yeah, because I, I sort of did a tweet at full time about uh, Liverpool's sort of wastefulness in this game. And I, I compared it to the fact that I, I do think there has been that sort of stickiness in attack recently. And I know we've spoken about it. Um, and a lot of people sort of disagreed in that, you know, said that the, the goals that Liverpool got disallowed. That That's true, but I think... In terms of the forwards' overall performance, I would just it, it would just be like to see them be a little bit more clinical. I know Liverpool have got goals all over the pitch, but you know I'd like to see Darwin Nunes turn one into two last night. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to see Cody Gakpo maybe get on the score sheet when there's clearly goals in this game to be had. Um, you know, and I think it feeds into the fact that they they haven't been that clinical recently, or you know the the goals have been coming mostly from midfield. We've seen Nunes had that goal drought. Um, Gakpo, yes, he's chipping in. Diaz, again, you know, another one who's not scoring that many this season. That's sort of dried up a little bit recently. 
Um, so, you know, I do still have that concern around the attack. And I think it all feeds into this idea that, okay, really, when you, you know, you get down to it, is this attack good enough to win a Premier League? Liverpool are, are top of the Premier League now, but can they sustain it with the, the level these forwards are yeah. showing? And I think, you know, my, my takeaway from last night is that as a collection of attackers, so, you know, are they good enough to win the Premier League? Possibly not without Diogo Jota. But with Diogo Jota, I think he just adds that little extra level of like, uh, you know, deadliness in front of goal, that yeah. ability to sniff out a scruffy goal. Um, I just think he's the difference maker because for me, he's probably probably Liverpool's second best forward behind Mohamed Salah, which is, you know, there's no shame in being behind with Mo Salah, but he's probably his equal in terms of finishing chances off. Um, and, and I don't think the other three get anywhere close to those two in terms of when you put them in one-on-one, the likelihood that the ball is going to hit the back of the net. So for me, he is the difference maker in terms of whether this attack is good enough to win the Premier League and to have him back is absolutely massive. And I, I think, you know, the, the key now is that he does pick up injuries. So can yeah. Liverpool keep him fit between now and the end of the season? And I think if they do that, he'll play an awful lot of games and I think he'll score a lot of goals and... You know, potentially be the man to to alongside Mo Salah fire Liverpool to the Premier League, and he's got you know this is not to be too down on Diaz and Nunes and, and Gakpo because that that they're a, a brilliant supporting cast, and, and Nunes can get on a run with his goal scoring. We've seen that in the past, and hope would love to see that happen again. And, and like I said, they were a great supporting cast, but I just think Jota. As I say, he just got that little bit of an edge in terms of his deadliness and he will get you a goal in games like the Arsenal and the United games. Yeah. I think if he'd have been fit, he would have, he'd have sniffed a goal out from somewhere um, and he's got that quality in him that, that maybe the others don't. Um, and as a five, they've just got such a lot about them. But Jota just adds that little bit of magic and and, and, and so I think it's, yeah, huge that he's back and great to see him back with a, with a brilliant finish as well. So again... One of those finishes that he's just got in his locker from that such a tight angle. You almost expect him to score. Uh, yeah, br- brilliant to see him back. And I think he, he can have a big impact if he can stay fit. Yeah, it's never it's never ability with Jota. It's availability tends to be the thing. And sometimes even the, the worse he's playing, the more likely he is to score type of thing. So, yeah, we, we are going to need him as the difference maker in January. But a load of positives from that. A 2-0, a clean sheet. So on to New Year's Day in Newcastle. And... We always do a player in focus, people. So this one we're going to look at. It's an interesting one. Curtis Jones, David. I mean, he was a sub in this one. He was brilliant against West Ham in the Carabao, man of the match. And then, you know, immense against Arsenal. We've had the sending off. We had the injuries. There's a real sort of peak and trough feel. Is that a fair description, would you say, of his season so far? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices 
allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a, a weird performance when he came on against Burnley, actually. He sort of looked a little bit off it in a very similar way to Gravenberg against Arsenal and then eventually sort of settled down a little bit as, the, as, as he sort of got into it a little bit. So maybe that shows you that it's kind of difficult to pick the pace of games up when you're coming in as a sub in, in the centre midfield. I think that shows it's difficult. But I think, you know, the the, the Arsenal one is kind of a, a funny one because I, I think if, if he'd have stayed on the pitch... I, Think Liverpool possibly would have won. Yeah, um, I, I thought because not just because Gravenberg was was poor in, in his sub performance, and as I say, Jones did sort of similar at the start against Burnley. So it can happen. Um, it, it's not to put too much blame on Gravenberg, but it's just because I thought Jones was playing really, really well. I thought he was doing outstandingly well against Arsenal, and you know, I, I think the manager, if he looks back on that sub, will maybe regret it a little bit. Um, but I think Curtis is, you know, overall in terms of his season. Like you say, there's been peaks and troughs, there's been difficult moments, but I think whenever he's fit and he's given a consistent run of go- games, you, you know what you're going to get from him. Um, you know that you're going to get that that solidness. He wins his duels in central midfield, which again has been a little bit of a problem for the midfield as a whole. Yeah. He, he wins his duels. Um, his positioning's great defensively. Uh, he uses the ball really, really sensibly. Always tends to have his, you know, pass completion is ninety plus in in a lot of games because he's he's really sort of safe and steady in it. Um, and, and that's not not trying things either. He, he you know, he, he he does fire passes through the lines. He's not completely safe with it, but he's just very very reliable in looking after the ball. Um, so so much to give, and I think you know he, he's played himself into a position where you know. If you were to play a cup final tomorrow, I, I think he has to be in there, um, which you know is is testament to how well he's done this season when he's been available. Again, you just like him to to get rid of some of these niggly injuries that he keeps kind of picking up that are disrupting his momentum. But his quality is absolutely obvious, and um, uh, you know, again, another player that's been brought through from Liverpool Academy, which seems to be happening a lot recently, and I just think. Um, it, it's massive to to be able to pull someone who's this good out of the academy, having just got Trent Alexander Arnold through as well. Is is just yeah, testament to the work that's being done there, and and, and yeah, I think he's doing really really well this season. Yeah, absolutely, and, and like you said, because it almost felt like that there's almost Gravenberg and him buying for it, but probably if there was a cup final, especially I think many fans that had been any doubts, he would be in that starting level. I suppose the question with Curtis is. Obviously, the trajectory is going upwards, which is brilliant. What do you think he maybe needs to take his game to that next level? Because I think a lot of people are starting to say, yeah, he should be a regular in the team, no doubt. But to be in that sort of our elite bracket, what do you think he needs to do with his game? Jürgen really summed it up, didn't he, after the West Ham game in terms of saying that, you know, he needs to... It's it's knowing when to speed the game up sometimes and and when to try his little moments of magic. I mean, the goals he scores against West Ham, particularly the one where he dribbles through the team. I remember I watched him from the... When he was in the academy, when he came through, he burst into the the under-18s as a 16-year-old. And he used to score goals like that every week. Uh, genuinely running in off the left-hand side almost and, and, and taking on three or four men and then just passing it into the back of the net. Genuinely, he used to do it all the time. Um, and then when he came into the first-team pitcher, I think there was a real focus on turning him into a, a Genie Wijnaldum type, yeah. you know, making him really safe in possession, winning his duels, as I said, uh, making him that really solid midfielder. 
I think what the, the next step for him now is to, because he's mastered that, you know, I think he's he, very similar to Wijnaldum in terms of what he offers Liverpool in, in, in midfield at the moment. The, the next step now is to add back in, you know, that, that, that little bit of magic, that, 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 the, you know, the, the, the goals, the, the, the sort of the dribbling, because he's still, he's still got that in his locker. We saw that against, against West Ham. So I think it's just, He's mastered all the, the elements that, that that make him a solid and steady midfielder. He's shown that he's mature enough to do that job now. Now, can you you just add those little bit, those goals, those finishes? Though you know that we know he can shoot from outside the box as well. His dribbling is really good, so he can take players on. I want to see yeah, I want to see that arrogance back into his game almost because he's what the coaches have done is they've humbled him completely. Now they they've managed to mould him into what they wanted. Now let's add that arrogance back in and see that a little bit more on the pitch because he's he's got it in his locker and you know if you add that back into all the other elements of his game that he's got now he's he's going to be unbelievable and I think he already is very very steady. It is it's just literally like you said the coaches have almost pulled him apart. I mean when he first came into the team he was on the left side of attack quite often so we were looking what he could do there but now like you said almost reinvented that Genie Wijnaldum but with that swagger almost a bit more so to speak. So yeah if we, if we can see that we've got a we already have, but we'd have a hell of a player on our hands that way. And I mean, it's literally the new year is upon us and Newcastle is the next one at home right on New Year's Day. I mean, we got good news there that, that Jot is back and Klopp even mentioned that he'll have more training. So we should, you know, possibly outside to start. Any hope for it? I know we probably ask you this every week, but as it's getting closer to that, and everyone, everyone's asking me to ask you because they'll hope they'll give a different answer than the last 26, the 27th time will be different type of thing. But McAllister, Thiago, Badge, anything around those that we're expecting? Uh, so McAllister, hopefully. I mean, that that one is absolutely taking me by surprise how long it's, it's taken. I mean, the initial suggestion after he'd done it at Sheffield United and he's, he's speaking to people was that, you know, oh, it's just a court, he's going to be fine. And and, and, yeah. and every game that's passed since then, we've almost been thinking, OK, well, he must be in contention for this one because that was the, the feel that was given, uh, that it, it wasn't a serious one at all. And, and so the fact it's taken this long has, has been a, a real shock. I think, you know, Jürgen said not too long ago that the, the hope is that he would be, you know, it, it could run into the new year, but, the, you know, this was the game where he, he's maybe got a chance. So we'd really love to to see him back. Um, and, 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 yeah, hopefully he's had enough time now for that, that cut to heal up and he can he can run and, and, and hopefully not. I mean, he's not been feeling pain for a while, so I think it's just a case of, you know, will the will the stitches split or not? And, and hopefully... It's, it's it's been it's been ages now, so really yeah. really hoping that McAllister will be back for this one because I think that's a a real boost, particularly because they're going to lose Endo soon as well. Yeah. So to to get McAllister back into that position, you know, ASAP is is absolutely crucial. Even if he he doesn't start this one, maybe just use him off the bench and, and get him back into the swing of things, and then he's going to have to start the next one after that because obviously Endo will be will be on his way. Yeah, it's it is an interesting one. I mean. Even thinking for that lineup against Newcastle, so you, you probably think that Endo would be there. Probably the biggest question, I think, Canate coming back in because you're going to play your strongest lineup in that one. The forward line, David, at the moment, I suppose you're looking at probably playing your strongest forward line that you can. How would you see them lining up against Newcastle, those forwards? See, that's a, that's a tough one at the moment, I think, because, you know, from my perspective, I think. You know, Luis Diaz is, is, you know, would, you would have said he was, was in the strongest 11 on that left hand side. 
Um, I, I think that's becoming tougher with the way his form is going at the moment. Yeah. You know, and do, did Gakpo do enough for Burnley to 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 earn himself a, a start on that left hand side? Possibly. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing around this selection is that you know because Liverpool have basically got quite a big rest or relative to to this time of year anyway. Uh, coming into this game is that yeah it, it can be your first 11 it can be the the best team that you think can get the job done so I think it's going to be a really interesting selection from Jürgen because we haven't seen that for a while now we've just seen what's the team that can get me through this game yeah. yeah so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one and I think you know at the moment um, you know said around the forwards you'd, you'd like to see more finish it I, I, suppose, I suppose the key element is is Jota fit and whether he starts in that central or on the left I think I, I still think the manager's going to want to keep trying to play Nunes into into his top form if he can. So obviously Salah on the right hand side, maybe you, you keep Nunes in that centre forward position. Can he build on his goal? Uh, and then I think you know if Jota's had enough training, I think that left hand side is, is maybe got to be him because I think you know Gakpo decent against Burnley, but maybe not enough to to push out Jota, who is just so deadly in terms of his finishing. And again, I think we've spoke before as well about Jota in terms of Anfield games where the ball is mostly around the opposition box. He's the player you want there rather than Diaz, who in away games may be a better option for getting the ball up the pitch. So, um, you know, for me, that would maybe be Liverpool's first choice front three at the moment. But we we need to see alongside Salah, is two other people really, really staking a claim and, and and saying this is this is my my spot. I need I need to be in this team going forward. I think that's what we want to see in the games ahead. Yeah, absolutely. We could do if they're all firing. We've got two great options off the bench at any time. That's the ideal scenario. And I suppose, like you say, that it's unfortunate the big news coming up that it, it was confirmed by Jurgen that after the Newcastle game, both Endo and Mo Salah will depart for the Pacific Cup for AFCON there. I mean, Endo, and you rightly answered for me, that McAllister is a natural slit, um, slot in and they have to go there. Salah, how do you think they'll adjust that forward line? Because, I mean, we've even seen Harvey Elliott play at times on the right-hand side. Do you think, again, is it a rotation or do you think you'll have something specific in mind for covering the loss? I, I think it's going to be Elliot. I, just on the basis that, as, as you say, we, we've seen it before now. I think he's been trying that out with this in mind. Um, I think Elliot, he, he plays the position differently. He's not got Salah's electric pace, so it's a, it, it changes the way Liverpool attack. But I think we've seen it work. Um, and we've seen that Elliot is a, a real threat there. Uh, even if he's not that quick, he's, he's just so creative, isn't he? And, he? and he keeps the ball well and you know, links up with other players well, lends the ball. I love the way he does that because I think he gets Liverpool playing. So for me, I think it's got to be Harvey Elliott because I think, you know, if you put any of the others out there, they just don't seem a good fit. You know, don't like Jota maybe on the right-hand side. Diaz, you know, Diaz prefers to cut in. Again, I just think your, your most natural fit and the one that will probably provide the least disruption to the team and the way it plays is to put Elliott in there you know, Elliot's been playing really, really well this season, probably deserves that opportunity as well. So, you know, anything that gets in in the team, I'm sort of happy to see because I think he's doing really, really well at the moment. Yeah, it, it will be interesting because like you say, it, it does seem to have been Harvey that, that's had the time out there. People have alluded to, well, Jota, how would he flip it around? But yeah, it, well, it's the biggest attacker to cover. So it'll be interesting to see how he does it. And for the final time in 2023, we go to our questions from the viewers section. Now, you probably no doubt, David, you know what's on the horizon. You know what most of these are going to centre around. But I think there's there's a few good ones linked. And 
The unfortunate thing we've had to deal with that Kostas Simikas and his broken collarbone. So I think this is a good and fair question. Do you think that changes Jurgen Klopp's thinking about a move into the transfer market? I, if it wasn't before, does that injury and you know Joe Gomez now in Cottonwood? Do you think that changes his plans at all? I'd say possibly not, just on the basis that Robertson's so close, isn't he? You know, we're hoping by the end of January that he would be back, so you don't have to muddle through too many games before you get your first choice back there. And I think you know, the manager would say, well, what is the point of me signing someone in the on the basis that I'm going to get Robertson back? Because ultimately, you've just been through a period where you've had no Robertson and you've just got Simicast and now you're entering a period where you've, you're just going to have Robertson and you won't have Simicast. You know, it, it's not a situation that massively calls for, for someone to be signed, is it? Or I would argue not anyway. I think that the, the key element, and I said this all along in terms of the transfer market, is is someone that Liverpool think is the Joel Matic replacement ready and available to to, to bring in now? Is is that is that there to be signed, or or do they actually need one on the basis that Jarrell Quanta? Do they do they think he's good enough? And I think those are the key considerations rather than the Simicast injury, just because of the timing with Robertson. Is that the, the Liverpool? You know, if both had been out till the end of the season, I think it could maybe really force a, a Liverpool to have a think about yeah, what they yeah. do there. Can they can they sign a centre half? You can also play left back. And really give themselves really good cover across the defence, but because Robertson's close, I just I struggle to see that that having a profound effect on the the way they, they approach this transfer market. I said before, you know, I'd, I'd love them to sign someone. I always think, you know, if they can strengthen the squad, that's great. Um, but I, I just don't feel like this is going to force the hand. Particularly, it, it would require a you know Robertson to be out for the season as well as Simakas, and uh, you know it, it would require something that dire. I think for Liverpool to to really be forced to do something there. Yeah, and, and I agree and understand. He's mentioned, sort of, or he's been asked about Luke Chambers, hasn't he, Connor Bradley as well. I think, naturally, you probably no doubt some of our viewers and subscribers are desperate to hear names like Ignacio, Hincape, but, you know, the, the squad is strong still at the moment in that sense as well, and I'll probably get jumped on for saying that. I, I but there we on, go. I, well, this is it. I think on the, you know, say you sign in Ignacio, for example, where where does he get his games? You know, uh, uh, and if he get when he gets his games, I presume it's instead of Quanta. Do do people want that? You know, do do they want to break up the Canate Van Dyke partnership, and and it, or do they want to not play Quanta anymore? And for for me, that you know, it's fair enough to think that because maybe Quanta is going to make a, a bad mistake at some point. He is only twenty, uh, and and you're putting a lot of pressure on him, I guess, in in this period, but. You know, for me, I, I think that's a tough one. I think to to deny Quanta the minutes now when he's shown such incredible promise to not allow him to be that that you know the the fourth choice centre back at the moment, I I just think would be a, a real shame because you know this could be huge if he, he continues to build on, on on what he's shown so far. He's only twenty and he looks absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, as far along in his development as Joe Gomez was at that age, and and, yeah. and could be a similar figure for Liverpool. So. You know, I I think it would be a real shame for for Liverpool to sort of block that path by signing someone. But you know, it, it's not something you could completely rule out on the basis that again they see Quanta in, in training every day. If they don't think he's quite ready and they think that mistake's coming or that he's not going to be able to to consistently do it, then maybe they'll look to do something to to get ahead of replacing Joel Matip. But I, I personally think it'd be a shame just on the basis of what we've seen because uh, I think it's been really really promising and exciting. Yeah, I'd I'd agree. I mean, if you'd asked me sort of maybe 
even two months ago, my answer wouldn't have been the same. But the more and more we see of Jarrell Quantra, even last night, outstanding that, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to block that pathway. So, fingers crossed, there are no more injuries as well. And we'd have to have yeah. this discussion again, but we will see. And it's kind of a wider question. It's not transfers directly, but I'm sure you've seen it. Florian Plettenberg released a story about York Schmacker that he will still be here for January, but the suggestion is he will head off into his uh, Ibiza retirement sort of in next summer at all. I mean, is there any more that sort of is coming around on that at all? Because it's, it's natural. I understand the questions coming about like, well, where is the next sporting director? What is the plan? Is Schmacker going to be sort of, you know, doing things in January or is it because it's quiet, he's happy to stay? And I know that's kind of a lot of questions fired at you there, but is there any updates on those? Yeah, so I mean, we've spoken before haven't we, about Schmadkum. The, the expectation was that he would stay in January because you know there was, there was no movement around Liverpool getting anybody else in, and I think that agreement kind of works for everyone, doesn't it? As he just finishes up in January, and then then Liverpool can really start the search and make sure that they're sorted out for the for the summer. And and I think you know there's been names linked, hasn't there? Max Ebel is one of them, and, yeah, yeah. and that there's nothing in that one in particular. But I've no doubt that Liverpool are scouring the market now, looking for someone they can bring in as that long-term sporting director. And you know, there's nothing really concrete happening on that yet, because obviously that's something that only really needs to be sorted um, just in just in advance of the summer. But I think for Schmadker in the in the short term to have him in in January's yeah, I don't. I don't think he's going to be massively busy. By the way, I think, but he, he's. I thought he'd proven himself over the summer in terms of getting the job done. Liverpool's summer business on the, the 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 face of it now, from what we've seen from the players, looks like it was very very good, and he did a good job in terms of negotiating some of those deals. So, um, I think he'll, he'll leave with his head held high. But I think this January window really for him is going to be about you know sorting out Fabio Carvalho, for example. What happens yeah. with Nat Phillips? Do they do they both go out on loans again, and where did he go? Um, so, so I don't think he's going to be too busy there, but I think, yeah, it's just about wrapping up things like that. And then, you know, Liverpool's search for, for a sporting director who's going to be a long-term appointment is something that's kind of ongoing at the moment, I guess, and, and, and they're, they're having a look at who's out there. So it can't be too late on developments for that because I think you're going to get the other side of the January window and we probably start to hear more from sources about what's happening yeah. with that because... You know, you're not going to want to leave it till June to start appointing someone. It, it, it's something that you're going to want someone in place in advance of the window opening. Yeah. Is that you know that's that you, you need to get ahead of your business then. So, I think once we get the other side of January, like I say, I think we're, we're going to start hearing developments on that in, in terms of who who Liverpool are looking to. Yeah, it will be interesting because as, as Schmack has said himself, almost he's been Jurgen Klopp's transfer assistant, doing the deals rather than sort of you know linking it all together. So. Yeah, hopefully await developments on that. And the final question of 2023, because we literally, we hit the halfway mark in the Premier League last night. We are top. In a good way, there's a few contenders for this. So I'm going to spread it a bit wider. Who would be your top three players of the season so far for Liverpool? Yeah, so I think, I think Virgil van Dijk's got to go in there as, as a bit of a no-brainer, just unbelievable return to form this season and, and looks as good as he ever has, which I think is a, is a huge achievement off the basis of, you know, what was going on last year. And I thought, you know, you, you worried whether he would ever get back to, to what he was and, and he's, been, he's right back there. Uh, been hugely impressive. And Mohamed Salah is another one, um, just consistently goals and assists. And, 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 and to think that, that some people were suggesting that Liverpool would be wise to maybe sell into Saudi Arabia in the summer, uh, despite him still having two years left on his contract, what a, 
a crazy, crazy decision that would have been if Liverpool had let him go. No, no amount of money would be would have been able to replace what he's given Liverpool so far this season. And it's such a shame we're going to lose him for Afcon, but I'm sure he's still got. You know, he's still going to come back and play a massive part when he gets back from that as well. So uh, he's definitely in that that top three. And I think third one. There's a, there's a few contenders because I think Liverpool have been good. Allison again, I, I want to mention him. He's not going to be my third one, but I want to mention how he's utterly world-class. In fact, it's, it's ridiculously harsh. I'm not going to include him, but I, I want to include someone who's slightly a bit more left field. And I, I, I want to just throw Endo in there uh, just on the basis of, okay, he's probably not outperformed Allison in terms of his contribution, but mm. I've really enjoyed what he's brought to the table, uh, particularly as I think, you know, when he was signed from Stuttgart, for 16 million, a team that had been battling relegation the last two seasons. And it, he signed days after Liverpool miss out on Moises Caicedo for 111 million. I can't say that my expectations were particularly high for him. Yeah. Um, but he's just gone from strength to strength, hasn't he? A bit of a slow start, but just really, really grown into things. And, you know, he might never be world cl- the world-class level that, say, a Caicedo can reach. And, and Liverpool are probably going to look at that position at some point in the near- nearish future. But I just think, you know, it's just a, a classic Klopp signing in terms of coming in, you know, underrated and, and, and manages to win people over with that energy and the, the way he gets about. And he's not a bad footballer either in terms of his ability on the ball. So just really loved watching his development at Liverpool so far. And and, and I think, again, when he gets back from the, 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 for representing his country, he's still got a massive role to play and he's, he's really grown into that. Um, so could could be you know a massive player for Liverpool in a, in a season where hopefully they win a few major honours. So yeah, re- really really enjoyed him and he, he makes my top three for that reason. Nice, and there there will be people screaming at this. Where's Trent? Like you say, yeah, Alison, yeah, yeah, all those types of things. But the best thing about this season, especially compared to the dismal last campaign. There's so many contenders or people that have gone up a level, retrieved even like say. He's thinking back to that Matip's injury, how good he was compared to last season before then and how unfortunate it is. So it is all positive in 2023. And next year, 2024 is around the corner. Fingers crossed we'll be talking about more victories. We're still unbeaten on this since we started doing these, fingers <laughs> crossed. So let's keep that going as well. But just like to say, thank you very much as ever for your time, David. Your insight is much appreciated. No, thank you very much stuff and ladies and gents that was the final for 2023 media matters for anfield index we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.